sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to a Wednesday, live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159. That is the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the SportsGrid network as well. That includes sportsgrid.com slash watch. Find your favorite destination to consume everything all across the grid. I am Ben Stevens. It is a Wednesday. And once again, it is game day in the 2023 NBA Finals. After two days off, a change of venue for the first time this year in the Finals. We head to Miami for game number three tonight between the Heat and the Nuggets with the series tied at one game all. We'll look forward to Wednesday and what is on the slate in the sports landscape. But first, of course, we must look back on a wild Tuesday in the world of sports changing the landscape of the sport of golf forever it was here in our second hour to start things off around 10 a.m eastern time we brought you the breaking news that frankly we weren't even sure it was real when we first saw the tweet as cnbc reported yesterday morning the pga tour agreeing to merge with live golf as we have had a few hours now, about 24 of them, to try to get our heads around everything that we have seen, the details are starting to emerge. What we know at this point in terms of this new deal and a new landscape in the world of golf, the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, formerly the European Tour, and Live Golf have agreed to merge to form a new entity the pga tour hopes to keep its non-exempt tax status as a not-for-profit organization that will sanction these events so that's what we know at this point and for nearly two years of ongoing litigation between these two rival tours the pga tour and the live golf series with this new deal and partnership in the merger that has been agreed upon although it should be noted not necessarily finalized and ratified at this moment all pending litigation has come to a close what we understand about how this new partnership looks. The public investment fund of the Saudi Arabian government that has been the primary economic force behind Live Golf, they have been backing and funding Live Golf, will now be the economic force behind the PGA Tour and this new entity. The public investment fund of Saudi Arabia and its governor, Yasir al-Ramayan, is the new chairman of this new LLC, the new entity between the three parties of the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and Live Golf. Jay Monahan, the current PGA Tour commissioner, remains in that post, at least at this moment, and will serve as the new CEO of this newly formed entity. So that's the background. How about the fallout and what this all means? The PGA Tour in this deal, able to secure something it has looked for for quite some time. Billions and billions of dollars, frankly, an unlimited reserve of funding. 
The public investment fund of Saudi Arabia continues in its mission of sports washing its reputation that we'll get to in a little bit. But in terms of the fallout, this deal was orchestrated in the last two months. It has been reported and it was done without the knowledge of really anybody on either side, the live golfers and certainly the superstars of the PGA Tour. And people were not all that pleased yesterday quickly we welcome in our sports grid radio audience here hour number one of a wednesday live on the morning after sirius xm channel 159 all across the sports grid radio network all of our radio terrestrial affiliates now in the fold as well and i am ben stevens recapping a wild day in the world of sports changing the future of golf as we know it forever Potentially, with the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and Live Golf agreeing to a merger to form a new entity between these three parties. And this deal was quickly orchestrated. The man you see on the left side of that graphic, Live Golf Commissioner de facto Greg Norman, wasn't really even in the fold. PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan certainly was. And he brought together this deal without the knowledge of his PGA Tour players. PGA Tour players that for the past two years, he has asked to remain loyal to a tour that did not truly support them. This is the week of the RBC Canadian Open. Yesterday, before the tournament gets underway tomorrow, a players-only meeting was held at 4 p.m. Eastern time, where Jay Monahan spoke to the players for the first time. And as it was reported from that meeting, there was a lot of anger and a lot of mad words in that room. And oftentimes, as was reported here, when players would stand up and say something to Jay Monahan, as Johnson Wagner, a PGA Tour pro, detailed, it would receive a standing ovation for Jay Monahan to leave his post as PGA Tour commissioner. Here was Jay Monahan exactly a year ago during the RBC Canadian Open on the CBS Sports broadcast with Jim Nance. Well, I talked to players. I've talked at a player meeting, and I've, and I've talked to a number of players uh, individually uh, for a long period of time. And I think you'd have to be living under a rock to not know that there are significant implications. And as it relates to the families of 9-11, uh, I have two families that are close to me that lost loved ones. And so my heart goes out to them. And I would ask, you know, any player that has left or any player that would ever consider leaving, have you ever had to apologize? There's a lot to unpack there in the words of Jay Monahan. We'll have plenty more next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. There's so much to unpack about the future of golf following a day that was as crazy as you can ever expect. The PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and Live Golf agreeing to merge to form a new entity and a new future in the world of golf. Welcome back to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid. I am Ben Stevens. Helping us to decipher what it all means is one of our good friends, our PGA Tour expert, not necessarily here for picks, props, and plays, 
but to describe what he saw yesterday and, of course, what he read and heard. Cam Rogers is here, the host of Believe Me on Stadium each and every Friday night in the Lock It In podcast for Believe as well. Cam, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on a busy day for you following potentially the craziest day the world of golf has ever seen yesterday. Thanks for being here. Hey, Ben, good to be with you. My brain was scrambled for like the first hour, two hours of learning this news. There's so much to unpack, like you said. Cam, it was crazy here yesterday. As we rounded out our first hour, our two producers, John James, Joe Frizo, say, hey, check the group message. And it was a tweet from CNBC detailing that the PGA Tour and Live Golf were merging. I thought it was a fake account. I thought we were getting duped, but it was truly happening in landscape altering type day for the world of sports in the world of golf. Cam, did you ever think something like this would be a realistic possibility? Did you ever think you would see a potential day where the PGA Tour and Live Golf would come to an agreement to become one? The short answer is no, and shame on me for believing in Jay Monahan's rhetoric for the last year, year plus. I mean, you played the video earlier from his appearance at the RBC Canadian Open last year where he was just consistently roasting the live tour, roasting the Saudis, saying they are sports washing, all of this, put it all together, and now Jay Monahan puts his hand out and says to them, come to the table, let's talk about this, I'll cash out. Forget about Rory, forget about JT, forget about those guys who held the torch for the PGA Tour, like I asked them to. I'm good now, let's do this. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. Thomas Hobbs once said, humans were born selfish and evil. Jay Monahan is certainly in that category of selfish because this is absolutely ridiculous on his part. The hypocrisy is disgusting, in my opinion. I was all for the guys going to live if they wanted to. Go cash out, do your thing, have fun, set up your family for life, totally get it. But Jay Monahan said one thing, and then acted on the exact opposite, pulled a complete 180 on this whole ordeal. So now he's got a lot to answer to, Ben, a whole lot to answer to from the players, a whole lot to answer to from the media, the fans. What is the future of the game going to look like? Are people going to walk away from this league, which I think is a real possibility? Tiger wants nothing to do with this. Covering him for years and years and years, I guarantee you he wants nothing to do with this. There's a lot to figure out. There is a lot to figure out. And one thing we know, Cam Rogers, is that those figureheads of the PGA Tour over the past year and 18 months, Tiger Woods, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, the list goes on and on, were not aware of any potential dealings that would happen leading to this agreement PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan certainly was and Cam it seems that his words in the last year were all a setup for something like this to potentially happen that maybe these were the inner workings all along despite what was stated publicly Jay Monahan speaking yesterday following that players only meeting around 4 p.m. Eastern time up in Canada this week of the RBC Canadian Open saying quote I recognize everything I've said in the past in my past positions I recognize that people are going to call me a hypocrite anytime I said anything I said it with the information I had in the moment end quote 
Cam, what we played in that opening segment was a video where PGA Tour Commissioner Jay Monahan was joined by Jim Nance in the CBS Sports booth. It was exactly one year ago during the playing of the RBC Canadian Open. That just happened to coincide with the debut of the Live Golf Series in London. And you heard his words there, invoking a statement from the coalition known as 9-11 Families United. They released a statement yesterday saying that what the PGA Tour is doing currently is disgraceful. Kim, there's a ton to get into with the public investment fund of the Saudi Arabian government. What they are trying to do with their billions and billions of dollars of money is to sport wash their reputation and many believe they are tied to funding terrorist organizations including those responsible for the 9-11 attack so for jay monahan to make that statement about 365 days ago and then yesterday to completely flip on those words cam it feels rather shocking and yes jay incredibly hypocritical Cam, what do you think the future is for the PGA Tour Commissioner, Jay Monahan? Well, right now, Ben, and well said on your end, he's the CEO of this new golf entity, right? He's going to report to the governor of the PIF, right, who will become the chairman of the board of directors. So, in theory, this is going to be a Saudi-run golf league that will encompass the PGA Tour, Live Tour, and European Tour. Think about that. So... In terms of Jay Monahan's future, as of now, he's cemented, he's in, he's the CEO. It's going to take a lot, and I mean a mm. lot of pressure from the players to oust him out of that position. This guy clearly has an ego. This guy clearly doesn't care about anybody else. When you invoke 9-11 a year ago, and then you go ahead and cash out with the very same people that you were roasting a year ago, he doesn't care. Mm. So it's going to have to take a whole lot of pressure, and it's certainly not going to come from the PIF side or the Live Golf side. It's going to have to come from Tiger. It's going to have to come from somehow Phil, maybe. I know he's not a fan of Jay Monahan. So if they all come together right. and say, you need to be out of here, or we are not playing in this, that's the only thing that I think would actually oust him from that position. Otherwise, I think he's here to stay. And Jay Monahan asked the players of the PGA Tour that remained on this tour and gave up the opportunity of hundreds of millions of dollars to stay loyal to the brand to only pull what he pulled officially announced yesterday. Cam, some of the best players in the world. We know Rory had no knowledge of this. Tiger Woods, no knowledge of these potential dealings. Even Colin Morikawa yesterday when the news broke like the rest of us, finding out on Twitter, the best players in the world camp kept yeah. in the dark. How should these players feel on this Wednesday morning? They should feel irate. Again, Ben, think about it. Bryson DeChambeau, Brooks Kepka, these guys just had it made, especially Brooks. He's the biggest winner of all this because he goes to live, cashes out, wins a major championship as a suspended member of the PGA Tour, and then, oh, Brooks, it's all good. Come on back. Come on back to the PGA Tour, my guy. What, what live? What suspension? It's all good. So they should be so angry. Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, all of these guys. But especially, Ben, especially the PGA Tour golfers who were fighting for their tour card, barely got it, scraping by, paying out of their own pockets for travel, decided to stay on the tour and not go and set up their family for life on live. They should be mad because they could have cashed out they are the ones struggling to keep their jobs. And so there's just a lot of different 
areas of anger right now on the PGA Tour side, and rightfully so. There is a lot to unpack with this right now, Ben. I will say to wrap up here, yeah. all three tours will operate individually the rest of the calendar year. I don't expect any changes until 2024. And Cam, that's really an important point because I think the main question we're all left with from a competitive standpoint is what is the new entity going to look like? It was important to note that Jay Monahan stated this yesterday. No deal has been finalized. The agreed merger that was announced yesterday is just the framework. So there are many right. questions to answer for even those parties responsible for putting this merger together. Cam Rogers, thank you for explaining this all to us. There is still a ton we need to learn. Cam Rogers, as always, we appreciate your time. More of the morning after. Up next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. After a wild Tuesday in the world of sports, mainly a landscape-altering day in the sport of golf that we will continue to unpack throughout this next hour and a half on the morning after, we return to the NBA Finals in 2023 on this Wednesday. It is game day once again, and for the first time in South Beach. Welcome back to a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on SportsGrid and Sirius XM Channel 1. 59. If we were all so lucky to stay in German Aries house and head down there to the South Florida area with our good friend JR to take in game number three of the 2023 NBA Finals because tonight it's the Heat and the Nuggets not far away from Joe in South Beach for game number three of the NBA Finals. JR, what are the courtside seats looking like tonight? You got a group of four going with you? How's everybody going to fit? I, you know, it's funny you mentioned, I will be there uh, tonight, uh, Ben Stevens, rooting on uh, the uh, Miami Heat. Only It won't be from courtside. I'll actually be in a suite, but close enough. The bottom line is I'm still in the game. I'm there, and uh, I can't wait to see what this, uh, what this place uh, feels like because uh, it seems that everybody is counting out this Miami Heat team except uh, the Miami Heat fans here in South Florida. So it should be interesting. Joe, you know it's our running joke now to poke fun at you for the idea of sitting courtside for Heat playoff basketball games, but are you being serious with me? Will you be in attendance tonight in a suite? I will be there, yes. I will be there with uh, my this good guy. friend Kelly Stewart, and we will, uh, we will be rooting on uh, absolutely the Miami Heat, which we've already placed our tickets on. KIV and JR in a suite rooting on the Heat. That has a nice rhyme and poetic phrasing to it. Joe, before we get to your prediction <laughs> of what we will see tonight and what you will see live and in person for game number three, let's go back one final time to the second game of the 2023 NBA Finals on Sunday night in the Mile High City. The Miami Heat doing what was thought to be impossible, being an eight-seed in the NBA Finals and winning a road game. In fact, the first road win for a team against the Nuggets in Denver throughout this playoff run. The Heat winning outright once again as an eight-point underdog, 111-108 the final score in game number two. Joe, what did you learn from the second game of the 2023 NBA Finals? 
Well, what, what I learned was that the uh, Miami Heat were a few made threes in game one. Wide open threes, I will, uh, I will add there, Ben, from possibly being up 2 nothing and the entire betting universe, uh, their head exploding. Because the reality <laughs> is not much changed defensively for Denver from game one to game two. The difference was those same uncontested open look threes 17 of 35 of them went in for Miami. And I think the problem that we have here is a disconnect between everyone keeps looking and referring to, oh, they weren't a great three-point shooting team during the season. Offensively, they weren't good. None of that means anything right now. They've already mm -hmm. done the hard part, Ben. They've made it through three and a half series of being this kind of three-point shooting team. They are not doing anything different than the Golden State Warriors done for the last decade. They didn't have this great big man on Golden State. What they had is a whole lot of people able to play together and hit big time threes when they needed. And they've been doing it consistently now for three and a half series. That is not going to change if they're getting wide open looks again here tonight with this Denver defense. The Heat shot about 33% from deep in game number one. Max Drews was 0 for 0 for 9. He was 4 of 10 in game number two. Miami as a team shooting better than 48%. Joe, it's still, it still seems like the odds still haven't quite caught up to playoff basketball, Miami Heat. Not regular season for 82 games or our preconceived notions of the hill the Heat have to climb as an underdog in every series. Entering the NBA Finals, Denver was nearly a $5 favorite, minus 460 outright to win their first ever Larry O'Brien trophy after taking mm -hmm. a one nothing series lead entering game two Denver a minus 800 favorite but after Miami evens the series the Nuggets remain the favorite but it's still a minus 270 heavy odds on price so Joe I ask you is the pricing now outright to win the NBA finals fair or still too far off uh, well, I'll tell you what, we're one game away from seeing what this market is really all about, right? Now, technically, the price that you're looking at right now in a series tied one-to-one with the uh, with the, one of those teams about to embark on two games on their own home court, you would have thought, well, that home team probably going to be a favorite in this game and should be, well, I don't know, uh, at least uh, under $2, correct? Yeah, no. Uh, so if Miami wins tonight, Ben, and we wake up tomorrow morning and this thing is still Denver being a favorite in the series price, you know the entire market has lost their ever-loving mind, completely lost their mind, which means those that have been playing contrarian this postseason in the NBA are this close yep. to retiring if Miami actually wins this championship, which, Ben, I hate to break the news to people. They are very much alive in this series for a uh, for a championship. The Heat booked as an underdog 16 of their 20 playoff games. They are 12 and 4 against the spread. That is wildly profitable. They've also won outright 10 times. That is a ton of plus money profits in your pocket if you have had faith in Miami like Joe Ranieri. But Joe, still right now, entering game number three, despite the change of venue, the Nuggets are a minus 270 outright favorite to win the first Larry O'Brien trophy in the history of the Nuggets organization in the NBA. Yeah. So what are the odds telling us, JR? 
Well, the odds are telling you again that, uh, I mean, what was Denver? So Denver was a, uh, let's look at it, right? A, uh, a eight and a half, nine point favorite on their own home court. And now they're going on the road and they're still a two and a half or, or even three point favorite on the road. It's uh, it's mind blowing. So basically there's no home court advantage here uh, for Miami. Uh, it's pretty much these two teams on a neutral court. It wouldn't be even close, huh? Uh, what we're going to find out here uh, tonight, I think this is one of those opportunities like we have seen in multiple uh, series already here where, yeah, I think the undervaluing of the markets on teams like uh, mm. Boston, uh, Milwaukee, uh, even the Lakers to a certain extent, who also we saw an 11-point flip from Denver being home to Denver being in L.A. where they opened up as yeah. a four-and-a-half, five-point game in game three. So the market has not adjusted, Ben. They keep doubling down. It's the most amazing thing that I have seen ever in uh, in the playoffs where the market refuses to admit they may have gotten one team wrong. The Nuggets right now, JR, a favorite on the road for the first time since their opening round series, games three and four in Minnesota. They are one and one, both straight up and against the number as a road favorite in this playoff run. Joe, before this series got underway, the most likely outcome in terms of the total amount of games we would see, obviously the four options, four games, five games, six games, or seven games, was a five-game 2023 NBA Finals series. Now, it's the longest of the three potential outcomes still remaining. In the shortest number, Joe, is seven games at plus 140, but not all that far off from six games at plus 145. Where we stand, Joe Ranieri, entering game number three in Miami tonight of the 2023 NBA Finals. How many more games do you think we're going to see? Well, you know, I'll just say that five games is still a possibility here, Ben. The difference is the market is realizing, it, well, it could be Miami that finishes it in five, something that mm -hmm. was unthinkable just two games ago and that's the that's the big difference here is that we've seen Miami come home in game three now in every series with teams they were supposed to lose to uh, we've seen them come home in a game three knotted up one apiece and what has happened in those games well uh, they ended up having to go back for a game five with an opportunity either to close out the series uh, or an opportunity to get this thing to go uh, at the very least six or seven. So I agree, Ben, with the six and seven price here. The over yeah. five and a half was a money bet to begin with. Um, the six or seven game uh, play was was absolutely money. But the problem is, though, I think people are starting to realize that, yeah, it may go six or seven. But it's not as if it's a foregone conclusion that uh, that Denver is going to be the winner in that game. The series is tied at one game apiece, and yet all three potential conclusions for Denver still a shorter number than any mm -hmm. of the three possible outcomes for Miami, as you saw in the series' correct score odds. Jordanary, it seems pretty simple right now. When you look at the finals MVP market, if Denver is going to win, priced as a minus 270 outright favorite as a team, Nikola Jokic is a minus 260 favorite to win finals MVP, is going to wrap up that hardware. But on the other side, Jordanary, the heat mm -hmm. it's a different story if Miami does pull off the upset in the 2023 NBA finals JR who wins that finals MVP award 
Well, Ben, I mean, roll the tape back. You and I had this conversation before the series started, and I said, if Miami wins this, Bam Adebayo is going to be your MVP because he is that vital to the success against Jokic. He has to be the kind of player consistently we know he can be. He has been that so far, Ben, and as far as I'm concerned, he's going to be the one, if Miami pulls it off, that wins it. Plus 650. Now the third best price for Bam Adebayo, the series' second leading scorer, 47 points in the first two games. But it's time for game number three tonight. Who better than a man in attendance in a suite? To break it down, Jerry does that next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to the morning after live right here on this Wednesday on SportsGrid. It is game number three of the 2023 NBA Finals tonight in Miami. For the first time in this final series, we head to South Beach. I am Ben Stevens. Jerry joins me here for a second consecutive segment. Jerry will join all of you at the game tonight in Miami, sitting in a lovely suite. Joe will be there to take it all in with his very own two eyes. And Joe, before the game tips off, the Denver Nuggets are booked as a two and a half point favorite. So before the game, when you're sitting there, you're getting your hot dog, maybe a popcorn, maybe a cold beverage to enjoy all the festivities. Will you be stewing at the fact the Denver Nuggets are the favored team? Joe, I ask you simply, is the right side favorite for game number three tonight? Well, you know, I, I thought the opener was about right, Ben. Now, if you guys were, were waiting right after game two, Ben, when Miami ended up winning it, Denver had opened up at about a minus 115, uh, 118, somewhere in there, uh, as pretty much a, a pick and price, which is something I thought was absolutely reasonable. And if you were so inclined to think Denver is still going to win this, being able to get them at minus 115, minus 20, I thought was great value. The problem is now we're up to minus 140. Uh, now we're also two and a half, which I think is going to raise the three. And now all of a sudden that is not uh, a whole lot of value in here. But Denver did originally open up with a little bit of value there because I don't think anybody's going to argue, Ben. They're the better team on paper. That doesn't mean the styles make fights here, right? And the style of the Miami Heat have been giving teams that were better on paper fits now for three and a half rounds. And I don't think it changes here tonight. I think this game is way closer to a pick'em than it is mm -hmm. a two and a half or three point road favorite situation. But hey, uh, the value's gone. I don't want to go chasing a bad number. Uh, the more, and I hope it gets the three, Ben, because when it does, I'll, I'll come back in again with Miami being a one possession game. Miami not shocked by any means to be a home underdog. They were booked mm -hmm. as a home underdog in two of the three games in the Eastern Conference Finals against the Boston Celtics. In fact, the Heat have been booked as an underdog 16 of their 20 playoff games this postseason. And again, they are 12 and four against the number 10 of those 12 covers in outright Victory. Jordan, one thing we do know, and it would seem as though if your best player 
on your best team scores 40 points or more, it should probably result in a victory. That has not been the case for Denver in the three games Nikola Jokic has scored 40-plus points in this postseason. The Nuggets, in fact, winless 0-3. The Joker has been the leading scorer in each of the opening two games of this 2023 NBA Finals. And again, Joe, for game number three, Nikola Jokic has the highest points prop. It's 29 and a half. Jamal Murray not far behind at 24 and a hook. The number is certainly depressed for Jimmy Butler at 24 and a half. And Bam Adebayo, 19 and a half points, a number he has been over in uh, in the first game of this series. Actually, both games so far in the 2023 NBA Finals. So, Joe, out of those players that have the highest points props tonight, two leading the way for the Nuggets, two on the other side for the Heat, who leads the game in scoring this evening? So I don't know how after what you uh, what we've seen and, and what the data tells us here, Ben, that this is a much less dangerous Nuggets team when your leading scorer by far is Jokic, right? And it would appear that Miami, uh, the adjustments that they made was they, they brought Kevin Love out onto the court, had a little more size, made a little bit more uh, rebounding uh, effort there, and all of a sudden uh, it made all the difference in the world. The other thing that they stopped doing was stop trying to block up the paint for Jokic. They basically are saying, go ahead, man, shoot as much as you want. You want to take it to the rim? Go ahead, take it to the rim. We're not going to get in your way, and by doing so, I think 53 or 54 percent of their shots came from Jokic. That's and you know when you're talking about less than 50 percent, your teammates are involved. What happens to Denver is they become spectators. Ben, they begin to watch Jokic instead of playing with him, and that is a problem for a team that, let's face it, how much experience do they have being in this spot exactly? It's not an easy fix, and it's not easy for Jokic to go, I'm going to not take this easy two-point layup here so I can get other guys involved. Easier said than done. He, by far, is going to be the leading scorer, not only tonight, but in this series here, simply because Miami is going to let him be. Joe, I think Eric Spolstra would say, though, we're not just going to let Nikola Jokic score because that's our recipe for success. Although Denver is winless in the three games in this playoff run, Jokic has scored 40 or more. It doesn't guarantee a victory if Nikola Jokic goes out there and drops 45 points. In fact, you would think it's probably the other way around but it's a good assessment of what Nikola Jokic means and why he has been the most valuable player twice in his NBA career on the other side for Miami Joe the points prop now for Jimmy Butler is fascinating 24 and a half entering game number three a playoff low 13 in game number one just 21 points in game number two but the prop for Jimmy Butler Joe pretty much all of the postseason has been at least 27 and a half 28 in a hook, and you look at his numbers in South Beach during this impressive playoff run, he's averaging better than 29 points per game. Joe, what does Miami need out of Jimmy frickin' Butler tonight in game number three? Well, it's funny because Jimmy Butler has, as the playoffs have moved on, right, he has been the guy that they, he is, Miami has needed him to be at the time they've needed him. If they needed him to go out and drop 30, 35 in a game and take it, he does. If they needed him to be a guy in the fourth quarter to make a big three or a big shot, he has been that guy. It is not do or die if Jimmy Butler scores over 25 points tonight. 
Uh, we've seen that. Jimmy Butler is going to score as needed when they need him the most. Uh, and that's really the most important part because I think, Ben, we all agree. Jimmy Butler scoring 30, I guarantee you, does not uh, does not make Miami all of a sudden, uh, you know, a victor in this. He's got to have other guys around him still being involved, still doing the thing. Jimmy Butler is much better at doing it than, let's say, Jokic, who can drop 41 on you, and yet the rest of the team doesn't help him, and it's not good enough to win. So I think Jimmy Butler's points prop is very dangerous because— he doesn't need to drop that many points in order for them to be successful. He just needs to make the buckets at the right times that they need him to. Joe, you made this point throughout the show already as you see the points props tonight. Jimmy Butler under in both games. Bam Adebayo over that number of 19 and a half and both. And Jamal Murray under in game number two, over in game number one, finishing with 26 points. It was a streak of six games where Jamal Murray scored at least 25 or more. His number 24 and a half tonight. I think that's a very vital number for how this game yep. is decided. Joe, you've already brought up the idea of the Heat living by the three and dying by the three. We saw that represented really in one player so far in the 2023 NBA Finals. Max Struess, 0 for in game number one. 0 of 9 from three-point range. He responds by making four big threes very early on in the opening half for Miami in game number two. Is Max Struess, Jorinari, representative of what Miami is looking to do as a whole in terms of shooting the ball from deep? Ben, you and I both know we could rattle off a list of uh, very popular guys in the NBA that if they would have gone 0 for 9, you pr they would have crawled into a shell and we would never have heard from them again in the next game. But that is not Max Struess. That is not the Miami Heat. There is a level of mental toughness here on this team. And Max Struess is a shining example of, so I miss 9. I don't care. I'm coming back. And you saw it early, too. He, he had no problem pulling up from three. And the one thing Denver's defense has assured us is that they are going to allow Miami to keep getting that extra pass and keep getting those wide-open threes, and they are fearless in taking them, Ben, including Max Struess. It's a really good point, Joe. I think it's an embodiment of what Max Cruz knows that he means to this Miami scoring attack. He can't yep. pass up threes. If he does, the offense doesn't work we've seen that out of Duncan Robinson 10 crucial fourth quarter points on Sunday in game number two to help Miami come back Gabe Vincent was the leading scorer for the Heat 23 points in that second game and again Joe it is worth repeating Nikola Jokic scored 41 points in game number two and his Nuggets lost the third time this postseason. The Joker has scored 40-plus, and Denver eventually loses that basketball game. So what is the defensive game plan for the Heat on Nikola Jokic entering game number three? Well, I, I think the defensive game plan was a brilliant move by Spolstra in last game because by inserting Kevin Love into the starting lineup, Kevin Love now takes over duties of Aaron Gordon. Right. And there's no more size advantage for Aaron Gordon. That allowed Jimmy Butler to, to guess who to cover who Jamal Murray, in which the advantage goes to Jimmy Butler on Jamal Murray. So Spolstra, by inserting Kevin Love, allowed Jimmy Butler to get off Aaron Gordon, which was a battle and not great for Jimmy Butler. 
but Jimmy Butler is a much better fit to cover Jamal Murray, which is exactly what he did, which is part of the reason why Murray didn't exactly have the best game there. So I think it was a brilliant move. The question is, what does Malone do? What kind of are you now going to go out there and attempt to block every three pointer? You're going to try to go out there and bum rush guys on the perimeter or are you going to keep defending the paint? and Let Miami shoot them. That's the big question here tonight. Joe, I'll tell you one player that needs to be better without a shadow of a doubt for Denver. It's Michael Porter Jr. He only played 26 Oof. minutes in game number two because Michael Malone, the Nuggets head coach, of course, was so frustrated with what he was doing on the defensive end of the floor. He finishes with just five points. He was one of six from deep. In fact, in this NBA final series, MPJ is just three of 17 from beyond the arc. I will finish by saying this. You're getting a discounted prop now for Nikola Jokic in the assist market. Yep. It was 11 and a half entering game number two. It was nine and a half entering game number one. He sailed over with 14 dimes. He had 10 of those in the opening half. The number once again for game number three tonight is nine and a half for Nikola Jokic. The overjuiced minus 148. The nine and a half assist prop is a number Nikola Jokic has gone over in eight of the last 10 for Denver, including just the four assists that he had in game number two. So, Jordanary, you will be there in attendance tonight in Miami. What is your best bet for game number three? Well, Ben, I'm actually going to break this into two halves, and I'll tell you right now, the play is the first half under, 110 or 109 and a half. And the reason being is first half under since 2005 in the finals, Ben, 59, 43, and 3, 58%, including game three and on in an Eastern Conference court like it is right now, 28, 13, and 2. 68% in the first half under. The number is too high. We got 101 and 108 in the first two games. I'll take the under in the first half tonight and then play it from there. A great look, Jorinari. That total is interesting. It was 219 for game number one. Stays well under. 215 and a half in game number two. Sails over. And now the total has dropped to 214 and a hook. Jorinari, enjoy game three tonight. More TMA next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We round out this opening hour of a Wednesday live right here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159 all across the Sports Grid network and that now includes the new Sports Grid app available for download at the Apple App Store or scan the QR code that is about to be on your screen when you scan it or when you download it you will have all of our information insight and data sets in the palm of your hand for best bets for the nba finals game number three stanley cup final game number three tomorrow night how about the women's college world series in the finals getting underway today between an absolute wagon that is oklahoma softball winners of 51 consecutive games but as we round out this opening hour it is a wednesday but it's been about 24 hours since the bombshell and incredibly shocking development that we have now that will change the future landscape of the world of golf forever. 
the PGA Tour, the DP World Tour, and Live Golf all merging to form a new entity. We're not exactly sure what the framework of the deal is. We don't know what this future of golf will look like from a competitive standpoint. But will it be good or bad for golf? That was the question for you and Fade the Public. At SportsGrid TV on Twitter, will the PGA Tour Live Golf merger end up being a positive or a negative for golf overall? It's a really big question. Maybe our main question from that competitive standpoint. What does this look like? Will players come back that left and deflected to live golf? Will they have to pay a fine if they return for reinstation in the PGA Tour? Most of the public right now saying this future is going to be a bad thing for golf. About 54%, but 46% think this might be a positive overall. Good or bad, depending on how you feel morality-wise, there will be a ton of money now invested into the PGA Tour product. We come back for hour number two of the morning after. Up next, live right here on Sports Group. 